Next on BYU Sports Nation, tempering emotions after rivalry week. Former BYU quarterback and college football expert Blaine Fowler on why it's too early to sell on the go-fast, go-hard offense. Plus, meet the man running the football show at Middle Tennessee. We're all access with Blue Raiders head coach Rick Stockstill to preview Friday's primetime showdown at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Plus, your opinion on the go-fast, go-hard offense. Weigh in on BYUtvsports.com. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Hello, sports friends. It is Tuesday, September 24th. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Wherever and however you may be listening, a rise and shout to you all for making us part of your day. Yeah, prepare yourselves to get smarter. Every time Blaine Fowler comes in the studio, I feel like I understand the game of football better. Seriously. When I'm done talking to him, my knowledge seriously is greater. It is, it is. I feel smarter. That's what I want in an analyst. Make me smarter. Middle Tennessee head football coach Rick Stockstill talking impact players on the Blue Raiders sideline, who to watch for. Great football mind, really nice guy, all leading up to that Friday night party with BYU. Jerem? It's, it's, it's a big, I say it's a big game. Middle Tennessee uh, is 3-1. and one. They're feeling really good about their season so far, fresh off an overtime victory. However, this is a team that BYU should beat, and should beat by uh, 20-plus, in my opinion. Uh, Middle Tennessee has uh, got some weapons, but it's, it's the linemen that's going to be difficult to compete with BYU. And then it's going to be tough uh, as the game goes on, as BYU wears them down with the tempo. And BYU needs, needs a really good game. BYU's got to, in my opinion, BYU's got to score 50-plus. Taysom's got to throw 60% plus passing. BYU's tendency is going to want to be able to rush the ball here, but I hope that BYU figures some things out in uh, in the air. BYU needs to pass the ball effectively because when Utah State, when BYU goes to Utah State, that is a season-defining game at this uh, juncture. That's that's going to be game five, and BYU is going to head down a in my opinion, a 3-2 and two path or a 2-3 and three path, and that's really going to define things for BYU. This is a great opportunity to get better in a hurry. This, this game with Middle Tennessee provides BYU the chance to work out the kinks, like you said. Uh, they're going to face a defense that's not going to be as stout as Utah's. But these, the problem with teams like Middle Tennessee is they come in with nothing to lose. Exactly. So those they, teams always kind of make me nervous. They've, beat, they've defeated Maryland, Georgia Tech in, in the last couple of years. On the so, road. Yeah. They're, they've done... They've won this kind of game before, but I feel that BYU and and I don't think BYU will have a letdown. I BYU's extremely disappointed following the Utah game. Bronco Mendenhall said after practice yesterday that the first part of practice was extended team meeting where they just had a Q and A and kind of talked it out a little bit um, from the Utah game, and th- and the conversation after the game was very short with Bronco Mendenhall. The first interview that we had was Daniel Sorensen on the post game show yeah. on BYU TV. And I was surprised how quickly he got out to you. Yeah, I, I just said, Daniel, can you talk to us about what happened in the locker room? And literally, it was like five minutes after the game was over, and he said, well, Bronco just told us he was proud of our effort, um, that he thought we prepared really well, and we're obviously disappointed. And so I think he kind of just let them know that he's glad he saw them leave it out on the field and then let them simmer on it, let them think about it, and uh, almost inviting that wounded animal uh, motivation to take over where it's just like okay 
let's use this. Let's use the frustration right here. And in that way, I, I do feel bad for Middle Tennessee coming in after BYU loses to Utah because I feel like the aggression, the anger, it's all going to be there on Friday. If it's not, I will be very surprised to not see a a motivated, excited, and downright fierce BYU football team. And I think that they're they're going to be. I think that the team's more anxious to play than the fans are to see BYU play right now. I think that the fans right now are a little bit in the dumps, one and two, and it was Utah, and that's kind of the difference that I've noticed between BYU's one and two starts, uh, the the one and two start this year versus previous one and two starts. It's that most of the time Utah wasn't involved in that. It was at the end of the season where BYU had gained some momentum and then had that game. And two seasons actually stick out to me. 2005, Robert and I's first year, BYU goes 1-2, and two, but they have an explosive offensive game. They lose 51-50 to TCU at home. Everyone remembers that. They end up going 6-6. Six and six. That kind of set up 2006. Then you have 2007. You have a sophomore quarterback, Max Hall. Starts against Arizona, wins the first game. The, the third game, 55-47 loss at Tulsa, but you saw life in that offense. Similarly, against Texas, BYU exploded offensively, yet started 1-2. and two. You saw life in that offense. Now you could say, hey, well, that was Texas being bad. BYU was really good that day. The rush game was solid, and Utah stacked the box. So the difference is, BYU doesn't quite have the balance yet that they did in those seasons to kind of turn them around. It's just the backdrop we're looking for for what's trending. Rise and shout, my friends. Topic number one, steady as she goes. I do believe these are signs, uh, extreme up and extreme uh, down production type deal. It's a sign of a young group. That's what we have. That's what we're working with. The expectations are so high at BYU, across BYU Sports Nation, among the fan base, that it's hard to be patient when you're implementing a brand new offense. And although Robert and I has been here as the offensive coordinator before, and this is his second go-around, this is still starting over again. It's still starting new. And you brought up a great point yesterday when you mentioned that Robert and I said it's going to take four to six games for this really to sink in and gel. And I had the same reaction you did. It's going to take that long. It's going to take four to six games. You have spring ball. You have... Fall camp, like it, it can't sink in earlier than that, but you can't simulate what a game is really going to bring until you play a game. I mean, games make you better whether you win or lose, and so it's going to take some time to gel, and there's been so much knee-jerk reaction to this because it, it hasn't worked. I mean, you look, at, you look at the first three weeks after Virginia. Oh, this is going to be a horrible season. BYU football is not the same. We're not and, going to a bowl game. And then you beat Texas 40-21, to 21 and it's like, we're going to make the BCS this year. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> and then you lose to Utah, and it's like, I have nothing to live for. I'm done with BYU football. Like a guy, a guy at church on Sunday told me, I'm done. I'm done with BYU football. And I thought, really? No, you're not. If you treated your relationships like that, you would never have any that last. <laughs> like, come on. That your dating life? I'm done. I'm done. I had one bad date. It's over. Oh, yeah. Handshake at the end of the day. This is over. <laughs> Look, settle down. Is is what we're saying? And we had to do it after week one, and then week two on the opposite end. It's like, okay, that was great, but 
that 550 rushing yard performance was an anomaly. Also, settle down. It's somewhere in the middle. You hope on the the top side, the positive side of that. I think the reason, and and with you and I, we graduated from BYU. There's fandom, and then there's our job, and there's some kind of mix there. And so the fandom in me says four to six games. Seriously, let's go. And the what's the greatest indicator of of future action? What you do currently. And so that's the thing that worries BYU fans right now. What we saw against Utah is what we are. That's the perception. Yeah, what have you done for me lately? That's the perception right now. What I think we're going to see is that it's going to level out and BYU is going to find themselves. BYU is the quickest offense in the country right now. No one runs plays faster than BYU. 17.5 seconds. That's how long it's taking BYU to get off offensive plays on average. Wow. 17.5. The goal of fall camp was to go fast. The go hard part is a little odd to me because that's talking about effort. I'm just going to assume that you're going to give great effort. Like if you have to say it, that's a little weird to me. So the go fast offense, BYU has succeeded in that. But of course you need execution. So that's what we're talking about. And it is frustrating to be one and two. It would be better to be three and zero, of course. But I think that BYU has established something. Um, And that pace, once BYU starts to execute, it's going to roll. BYU is going to catch people off guard. We hoped it would be earlier, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Trevor Maddich talked about that yesterday. We'll we'll get into a little bit more with him as we kind of rehash some of that interview with him on our Maddich Monday segment. Uh, But BYU is not Oregon. However, the potential to compete once they start to execute at a high level is certainly there. You've seen the flashes of brilliance. Have they lost badly against Virginia? No. They had an unfortunate interception at the end of the game off a tip ball. And a blocked punt in the rain and a safety. And and then they had a... How many bad breaks did they have against Utah? Holding wherever the hold was on that kickoff return that Adam Hine took to the house. A missed field goal. Justin Sorensen misses his first field goal. Untimely penalties. Whatever. There were so many things that happened, and they still were in position to tie the game. Of Regardless of all of that, they still had opportunities. And that's a little maddening because you're yeah, like, Unforced Ugh. errors stink. You hate it. If, if Utah had just beaten BYU, just crushed them, just run up, then you say, okay, Utah's better. But because they were unforced errors, BYU has to live with the fact that Utah's Utah won the game, but you feel like you should have won because it was your fault, not theirs. And it's okay to have the initial knee-jerk reaction as a fan. Like, we get it. We're all fans to a degree. It's the joy of being a fan. And even one of the top college football analysts in the country has his fan side. Speaking of Trevor Mattis, he told us yesterday how he felt after that Utah loss. I shouldn't be, but I am. I'm sick about that loss. I'm sick about it because it was Utah, Utah. And it was the drop passes and the inaccuracies on things that should have been easier to finish that I, that are the reason for my being sick about it. He's sick about the I loss. I hope he feels Utah. better today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one's going to stick in the craw for a while Yeah, across BYU Sports Nation. Oh, yeah, because for years. It just, that one just hurts. It just hurts. Now you have to wait two more years before you even get an opportunity, and it's at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Yeah, we don't play the game for two years, but it's three games until we actually play BYU and Utah actually play, so it's really three, three years. Tough. 
going back to Trevor Maddich, you can sense his passion for BYU athletics. Everyone's got their team. You know, we live and we die with them. But that's that's the beauty of being a fan is you try and temper those emotions and remain optimistic. Oh, I don't think that fans try and temper at all. <laughs> I think it's a hot flame no matter where it goes. You you try and We're temper. the ones trying to temper and yeah. be rational about this. Uh, coaches, on the other hand, don't really have the luxury of reacting that way. Can you imagine Bronco Mendenhall coming into a post-game conference and being like, I'm done. I'm done with BYU football. <laughs> I'm benching all Christian the players. Christian Stewart, get in there. Ammon, you didn't even get a chance. <laughs> no, you can't do that. Like you, you have to keep a calm, temperate approach. It's part of the job. They can't, and frankly, as a fan, don't want you know coaches to fly out the handle. And, man, just listen to what BYU head coach Bronco Mendenhall said after practice on Monday. I'm not sending any flares off, nor... Uh, hitting the panic button. We've been one and four before, and we've yet to be excluded from a bowl game. And we always just find a way to be resilient and win because that's who our players are. Bronco Mendenhall yesterday after practice. He's. Do you think he is ready to ride off the season? No, and neither should you. There is still so much to play for. The game against Utah does not define the season, and that's why I said it last week. That's why I said you. Would you? Our poll question was: Would you rather be ranked at the end of the year or beat Utah? That's why I don't. I don't let Utah tell me how B, my, BYU's season goes. I don't let that happen. Let's say BYU beats Utah, but finishes five and seven. Are you like happy? Utah did last year? Are you happy, or you lose to Utah and you finish nine and four, and you win a bowl game, and you win a bowl game, or eight and five, and you win a bowl game? I'd rather finish ten and three or eleven two and beat Utah, but yes. If we're just talking those scenarios. Let's go to a bowl game. Topic number two, can't slow us down. I like it better, given the personnel that they have right now, because it's an equalizer. You can take personnel that, that's okay, and you can compete against defensive personnel that's clearly superior. And part of the reason is to go fast, go hard. I love that. BYU does not and will not have the same athletes that the word fast implies. Yeah, again, Trevor Maddich on the fact that BYU is not Oregon. However, the go-fast, go-hard offense... It's quicker than Oregon right now. It equalizes the field. So if your defense is amazing, if you can execute in this offense, it it makes it a level playing field. And that's the big if. And that's, that's the bottom line of everything we say is BYU obviously has to execute better and they have to pass better. The tempo's there. And BYU is not going to recruit different type of athletes... We, we saw what happened during the Gary Croton year when that, that blew up in BYU's face when they tried to do that. It's going to be a certain kind of player. And guess what? BYU won a national championship with a certain kind of player in that era. I think likewise in this era, BYU, I'm not saying can win a national championship, that's the goal, but can compete at a high level with a different type of player because of a different type of scheme that uh, levels the playing field, as Trevor Maddich implied. I'm telling you what, like... Taysom Hill is a unique athlete, and his style of play fits this offense. It just does. He's young, five starts. His passing, I'm telling you, like the first three games of the season, yes, it has it has been rough. There have been drop passes. There have been high passes. They've been everywhere. The balls have been sprayed everywhere. However, that can only get better, right? It can. You can't think that it's going to get worse. 
Right, it's got to get better. Here's what Bronco Mendenhall has to say about it. What I'm encouraging more than anything is for the pace to remain the same and the execution to catch up with it. And what I've seen is opponents substituting seven or eight guys at a time and having a hard time getting on and off the field. When we execute with that tempo, that's the vision I see of our program. Bronco has seen the flashes of brilliance in that program, and so have every, has everyone across the country against Texas. Like You saw what the offense can do when it is executing at a high level. Taysom Hill starts to complete a lot of passes. You tell me you don't want this offense? Topic number three, roster notes and more notes. Bronco Mendenhall. He's listed as day-to-day. He's been released from the hospital. He was released um, Sunday. It will go documented as a concussion um, slash severe stinger, but no um, neck or skeletal damage. And so basically he'll have to pass concussion protocol is what will happen. And that can be anywhere from four days to two weeks. You know, just we'll have to see. And Bronco Mendenhall and Jamal Williams' condition really tense uh, emotion when that happened, Jerem. I was on the sideline, and I mean, like I'm looking around at 63,000 plus, and it is just dead silent. And I thought, wow, you know, I as big of game as this is, people still understand that somebody's health, somebody's status, their state of mind, uh, given an injury, is way more important. And, le- and luckily he's okay. Yeah, and, and he is okay. Concussion and a stinger. And so uh, I would imagine, this is just my guess, that he does not play against Middle Tennessee and that hopefully you have him for Utah State. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. Please don't. Yeah, and BYU won't. They, they get it. Utah State becomes the biggest game of the season now to me. BYU wide receiver Ross Oppo hurt his shoulder yesterday. He had this to say. Yeah, it was actually the first week of uh, Virginia week. Uh, I think that like retort underneath, and so that that's why I, I always have it taped up. Okay, so he it's, he injured it during the Virginia game, but uh, it's become noticeable, and had some reporters were asking about it yesterday. Oppo had one target against Utah. One pass thrown in his direction, I believe. Can you think? Can you think of more than one? No. That the receiving core received a ton of buzz, and Oppo had a great fall camp. Everybody came back, basically. Matthews, Oppo, Hoffman, uh, Falsov, Ridley. They had a the wide receiver core stood out during fall camp. Yet, we have really yet to see them, kind of. Fill that expectation. Hoffman had a Hoffman's doing what he does. We know Cody Hoffman is going to be there. If you give if him, if he the, had eight, that means he should have had thirteen. Yeah, if he has a chance to, to catch the ball, he'll catch it. If he had eight catches, he should have had thirteen. Should have been tar- maybe targeted a little more in the first half, and then had more catches. He should. Cody Hoffman from here on out should be targeted twelve to sixteen times a game. He's that good. Get the ball in the best offensive player's hands. That's Cody Hoffman to me. The, the, and go fast, go hard, to me, is more rush than it is pass. But when you do pass, you got to get it in the playmaker's hands. When it's fourth down, I'm not – and Taysom's the one out there seeing people. I'm not sure that Eric Thornton is the best option, right? The backup H behind false left. He got two fourth down targets. And BYU went 0 for 2 in those. Both batted down. On fourth down in the Max Hall era, he's going to Dennis Pettit or Austin Colley. Yes. 
if Hoffman's double teamed, I like that option versus uh, a defender on Thornton's back. He's that reliable. And things happen in the play. Taysom Hill's making the best decision in his mind at the time, but let's Ross Oppo, Cody Hoffman, let's get these guys involved. Here's Bronco Mendenhall, another news and uh, piece of news and note uh, on Spencer Hadley's suspension. So I've given Spence a uh, pretty specific criteria that I'd like to see met at the end now of the university suspension. I didn't have a, a limit when I said that, but at the end of those five weeks, if he's met my criteria for him, then, man, I can't wait to have him back. Spencer Hadley uh, suspended a minimum of five games. Uh, so we'll see We'll see. You know if he can get back for the Boise State game, but that's where we sit with Spencer Hadley. I'd be very surprised not to see him play in that Boise State game. And lastly, defensive back Chris Badger, in practice, spoke with the media for the first time yesterday as a member of the BYU football team. They said that they were going to talk in you know special teams meetings and kind of you know figure things out with personnel and you know where they where they need things and you know so the last few weeks I've just kind of been on on scout team. Badger uh, prepped at Tempview High School in the Provo, Utah area, along with Craig Bills. They played in the same defensive backfield, and they're going to play in the same defensive backfield at BYU. But he's just getting into the program. People are excited to see what he can do. The fact that he played at Notre Dame, people are like, well, he must be a player. Sort let's, of. Let's let's get him involved. Right. He was recruited by Notre Dame, yes. I should say. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a, he's he's a, a talent, player. but he, he's got to learn the system, and uh, Bronco's not going to rush him into a scenario when that defense is performing at such a high level. Okay, let's get to our poll question on BYUtvsports.com. What are your early season thoughts on BYU's go-fast, go-hard offense? One, it's too early to judge. Two, it's time to slow it down. Or three, I see the potential in it. Weigh, weigh in on BYUtvsports.com. Also, tweet us your comments at BYU Sports Nation. Up next, Middle Tennessee head coach Rick Stockstill joins the program and will tell us what he thought of BYU linebacker Kyle Van Noy the first time he watched him play. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation, on the home of the BYU Cougars, BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with Jerem Jordan and Spencer Linton. Follow the show at BYU Sports Nation on Twitter. Follow uh, at Jerem Jordan as well and at Spencer underscore Linton. I appreciate the way you said Twitter. Twitter. I just felt like saying it that way. It's a Tuesday, and you know what that means. Blaine Fowler's in the house. Oh, yeah. Blaine, what's up? Blaine Fowler. Because if you're going to say Twitter <laughs> and LinkedIn, I want an emphasis on the end of mine, too. Fowler. Blaine Fowler is here. So <laughs> you participated in the BYU-Utah game. You, uh, you redshirted, played four years, five of those games. BYU and Utah, 14 of the last 16, go down to uh, seven points or less in this one. BYU climbs back into it, but really struggled in the blue zone and had plenty of opportunities to win this game. That really is the story of the game. And, and it's about taking advantage of opportunities, and Utah did. They were four for four, and BYU was three for five in those opportunities. And I, that stat is not one that, that I think is a good NCAA stat. Red zone efficiency, they they call it in, in the NCAA. If you went in there 16 times and kicked 16 field goals, they'd say you're 100% and you'd be tied for first in the nation. Right. To me, it's about point opportunities. and Points available. Right. right. So Utah was in there four times. They had 28 points available. They scored 20. That's like 70 that's really, some, that's 77%. Really good. That's outstanding. I feel like if you're 60% or higher, you're doing pretty good. BYU, five times, they had 35-point opportunities being there five times. They end up with 13 points. What's that, in the low 30s or no high 30s? It's not good. It's not good. 
And and so that that's what it's all about. BYU leaves 22 points out there that were possible when they get down in scoring zone, and and Utah took more advantage of their opportunities. And you know neither team really drove the football. And when Utah had big plays and they got down close, they scored. That's the difference in the ball game. It wasn't turnovers this year. Man, you you get into the blue zone five different times and you only produce one touchdown. Obviously, that is a shocking stat. It's one that the coaches are very aware of. Why is it so difficult for BYU once they get inside the 20? Because from 20 to 20, they move the ball pretty efficiently. But once they get inside the blue zone, it seems like something happens. And even though BYU hasn't thrown a bunch of balls over the top, when you're out in the open field, there's the threat that you can go deep. So you don't have the back end of the end zone as another defender. And so defensive backs have to be a little bit further off the ball. They have to be careful to not get run by. Linebackers have pass coverage responsibilities. They're concerned with the vertical game. Even though BYU hasn't been great at that, there's still you have to defend it. When you get down inside the 20, you got an extra defender in the back line of the end zone. So defensive backs sit on routes. Linebackers can defend the run a little more aggressively and still get into their pass drops because there's not as much vertical space to cover. And so the the margin for error is a lot smaller down inside the 20. The throwing lanes are narrower. They're smaller. Um, you, you can't throw it over the top, so you've got to be precise in how you break and knowing where the receiver's going to break and getting the ball up on time. And it's harder to run down there, so you have to be that much more aggressive and knock people off the ball, or you have to use deception. Crossing routes and things like that. Utah did that well. They both of their touchdown throws for Travis Wilson were crossing routes. We, if you call them a pick play, that insinuates that it's a penalty. But everybody runs pick like plays. They did that's deception. You have to deceive if you can't run it right out of defense. And and we didn't see those, those kind of creative plays for BYU down close. And they weren't able to run it because Utah could really load the box. They weren't worried about getting run by. And we didn't take advantage as a team, BYU didn't, of the size advantage they had at times. Like, gosh, it seems like if you've got Mitch Matthews at 6'6 lined up in the slot and Walker's on him as a 5'9 corner and you know you're going to have man because you're down there, there isn't some way you can isolate him and throw the ball up 10 and a half feet. Yeah, just throw it up. Get, and just throw it up Give him a chance. Yeah. Go up and get it. And so, so they've got to get better in play calling down there. They've got to get better at accounting for everybody and knocking people off the ball. The big issue is not only did they not score, they lost yardage when they got down there. You remember Taysom Hill running out of bounds on the two-yard line? And then they ended up kicking like a 29-yard field goal. How does that happen? Well, what happens is you have a muffed lateral on the next play and lose yardage, and then you get sacked on the next play and lose yardage. Then you end up outside the 10-yard line kicking a field goal. Instead of attacking, they had plays. And those are not forced errors. That, that again, is an unforced error. And even though they didn't turn it over, basically they gave up a touchdown opportunity by mishandling the football in that, that scenario. The other thing is you got to take advantage of huge momentum swings. When you return a punt inside the 15-yard line, the defense is running out there, their, their heads are spinning. You go attack and you get a score right then. BYU had a couple of you know, incomplete they run the football on second down, incomplete. They, they just didn't execute well down there, and, uh, and they end up four plays and turning the ball over on downs when they had a huge momentum swing with a big punt return. So when BYU looks back on this game, and I guarantee you know the team's got to put it behind them now, they look at the film and they go, wow, look how many opportunities, well, 22-point opportunities that we talked about that they didn't get. And they're also going to say, boy, there were some huge momentum opportunities on defense. How many balls did we have in hand defensively and not come up with a pick? Multiple times in that game. Those are big momentum swings. And in a game that's got this much emotion, 
You, you at least have to get some of those. And they got none of those, and they did not take advantage of when they got in scoring territory. And that's something that we've talked about as Blaine Fowler continues here on BYU Sports Nation. We addressed it yesterday on the show, which is the defense has given up uh, 19, 21, and 20 points. That's enough to win. That's under that 24 mark that Bronco Mendenhall likes to talk about a lot. Yet they're not forcing turnovers. One interception and one fumble so far. Brian Logan suggested that maybe the the standard needs to be fewer points with with this offense. Maybe it needs to be Baltimore Ravens esque, circa what was it? Oh three. I think uh, Brian Brian said fourteen. He's like maybe we need to make it a fourteen, 14. point. I mean, has it come to that, Blaine? They just have to get better on offense. The defense is playing well enough. Now, you'd like to see them force more turnovers, but sometimes I think turnovers, they just come in waves and you really don't have control over them. I remember TCU one year being number one in the nation in turnover margin, and then the next year they were like 40th, and they were asking Gary Patterson, well, why are you guys not as good this year? And he goes, I don't know, because we're doing exactly the same things in practice and we have pretty much the same guys. Sometimes... You get a little bit lucky when it comes to turnovers. Now you can hit hard and play good defense, and you just don't get them. I think if, you, if you're if you keeping teams in that 20-point-per-game range, that is a solid defense. That's good scoring defense. Yeah. The offense has to get better and get more productive. Um, and they did a better job of not turning it over this time in a rivalry game. And they moved the ball at times. They put up decent yardage on Utah. They outgained Utah in total, in total yardage. But they've got to finish. And that... Experienced quarterbacks do better when they get down in that area. Experienced offensive lines execute better and don't let free players come through when they get down in that area. And so I know Robert and I, after the game, talked about, hey, this is a step, this is a young team, and we didn't execute down close, and that's part of building a brand-new offense. How much do you attribute, in terms of BYU's inability to score in clutch situations, how much do you attribute that to being young? I, th- I think a lot of it is, especially at quarterback. A couple weeks ago we were talking on this show about the 21-1 rule. If you got 21 players better than mine, but my one player that's better than yours is the quarterback, I still like my chances with that one guy. And right now, Travis Wilson is a more effective quarterback in the offense he's running than Taysom Hill is. Because, also a sophomore, young. And he, and he started seven games last year. And everybody was asking me last year, Gosh, can he ever be a decent player? He just seems like he's so inaccurate, you know. And he didn't show that he could run the ball last year. Is this really going to be the guy? He got better as the season progressed, and now here he is in in year two as a starter, and his poise is just so much better. His accuracy is so much better. Now, the one thing that he had going for him last year was he wasn't throwing the ball. He doesn't throw the ball as hard as Taysom Hill does. So when you throw the ball with the kind of velocity that Taysom Hill throws it, it compounds inaccuracy, meaning. If you're a little bit off, your receiver's not going to catch the ball if it's coming 70 miles an hour at him. If you throw a catchable kind of a, a ball that has enough velocity to get there, but it's not going to break your hands off, you got more guys making catches of balls thrown behind or a little bit high. And so when you throw it that hard and you throw it behind on a slant, the ball just doesn't fall to the ground after it hit Cody Hoffman, Kaufman's hands. It it like skims off like a flat rock on a, on a pond. you know. And so... That hurts a little bit. He throws it. He's Taysom has to learn that on some routes, it's more important to have it down and inside than it is to have velocity on it. And I think that that comes with experience. I think that Travis Wilson has enough games under his belt that he's doing a better job of putting the ball in good spots and keeping his feet, you know, in good, you know, having good um, uh, fundamentals with his feet than he did last year. We'll see Taysom Hill get better all year long, 
and and then next year we'll go, wow, he he is a lot better than than he was last year. He's he's young. I, I want to say that this year though, and it, and last year he had too much touch against Utah State. He was throwing jump balls to Cody, uh, and now it's not enough touch, and it kills me to hear you say that about Travis Wilson because I just had the thought, if if. Uh, Taysom Hill is not hurt at the end of that Utah State game. He's Travis Wilson in that right. he plays the rest of the season, probably, as BYU starter, and then he comes into this year with that experience, and BYU beats Virginia, and they beat Utah. You hate to put that much on one position, Jerem, but the truth of it is, if he had started all year last year, then he's a much better quarterback right now. That's just how it goes, just the more experience you have. And sometimes it's not even just game experience he couldn't practice last year after he got hurt and so even a ba- a guy that is in a program for three years he red shirts and he backs up for two years he's got great quarterbacks and guys in front of him can then play as a junior because he's thrown thousands and thousands and thousands of balls against good defenses in practice if he's been the prep quarterback he's been throwing up against a top 20 defense in practice for three years, he understands the system. He's played in games. So even a guy that hasn't been a starter but that's been around three years can be really effective as a junior or a redshirt sophomore. But, you know, he came back off of a mission. He was going to start. He gets hurt. He can't practice or anything. So he really is a brand-new quarterback this year. And people have to be patient. And everybody's saying to me, well, you can't. I heard somebody on the radio, another radio station, say, you can't teach touch. And I'm, going, that's I'm thinking, baloney. really? Well, John Elway used to knock people's hands off even when he got in the NFL, and then he learned to tone it down. And uh, Dan Marino, gosh, can he ever be a good quarterback? Because at Pittsburgh, he's breaking guys' fingers, and he learned to tone it down. They're not machines. Yeah. Of course they can learn John, how to John throw Beck, touch. when he was a sophomore, that was like, why can't he hold on to the football? He just keeps fumbling it, <laughs> and he needs to take something off the ball because he's going to break somebody's hand off. And we know that as a senior, he was an incredible quarterback with a combination of touch and velocity. So, so to say right now, well, he hasn't shown it in three games, so he can't do it. That's nonsense. He he doesn't have it as a natural thing that's coming to him right now. And somewhere along the line, he just decided he's just going to throw everything at light speed. But I think it is teachable. And I think you can take something off of it. And I think he will get more accurate as he gets comfortable and his feet hold up in terms of the fundamentals there. We look forward to Friday now. Middle Tennessee coming into Lavelle Edwards Stadium. They're not a great team. They're three and one. They're coming off an overtime win against a, you know, marginal at best Florida Atlantic team. And so BYU's offense should have success. Florida Atlantic, I believe, put up forty-eight or fifty-one. Thirty-five. Forty-two thirty-five was the final. Thirty-five I believe. Was, okay. Over five hundred yards. Five hundred three yards of offense against Middle Tennessee. Yeah, and Florida Atlantic is good offensively and they're they're horrible on defense. And so Middle Tennessee is a team that has a lot of quickness. Um, and offensively, they spread you out, and then they want to be balanced. So, so they run it and they throw it. They're not; they don't come out and throw for 500 yards. They they only throw for like 200 yards a game. But they they like to run out of the spread. So they spread you out and they attack you running the football with four wides, and then they throw it. And they do a lot of bubble screens and quick throws and things like that. So not that different than what Utah wants to do. They just don't have the horses up front or the big thumpers in the backfield like York. And in a pool that, that Utah has. They have good skill kids on the outside. Defensively, they're big inside. The two defensive tackles are both 300-pounders, but they're kind of light on the outside. The two defensive ends are in that 235 range. And then they've got the inside backers are decent size, 225, 235. But their best player on defense is a linebacker that weighs 215. Mm. And and he, he doesn't just lead them in tackles. This is T.T. This is, uh, um, Barber. He's like light years ahead of everybody. He's got like 20 more tackles than anybody else on the team. 
And so he is the heart and soul of that defense. Very quick, great instincts to the ball, but they're not a big team. So this is a team that BYU should be able to run the ball at. And I worry about that because I want them to develop the passing game before they play Utah State. This is the game to do and it. So, so just because they could run it 55 times and rush for 400 yards, I hope that they take this opportunity to develop the passing game to ready themselves for games down the road. That's my hope. And see Ammon Olsen play. That would be what very got. nice. And have him play. You would hope that they could. Remember, this team is not bad. They're a Division One team. They're only lost. They lost to North Carolina, but they put up 20 on them. So it's 40 to 20. Won eight games last year. Yeah. And so it's a team that thinks that they can win. So this isn't a one double A team that you're just going to manhandle and you should be able to play Ammon Olsen by the third quarter. But, but let's, let's hope that they execute well enough and go out there and have that killer instinct to just blow them off the field as fast as they can because it would be important to have Ammon Olsen get some significant minutes in this game. BYU TV analyst Blaine Fowler joining us on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Middle Tennessee, 7 p.m. Friday on ESPNU. Countdown to kickoff starts on BYU TV Sports at 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern with Blaine Fowler and uh, Jerem Jordan uh, doing some very crafty behind-the-scenes work on that show. Oh, we'll see about that. He is very crafty. Awkward. Love Blaine Fowler. Good stuff right there. Hey, let's get to some tweets very quickly before we go to break. At Lyle Scowl on uh, the Go Fast, Go Hard offense. It is a work in progress. Execution is still a problem. I love it in every way. At Menace Society UT, 18 for 48. It's awesome. Up next, Middle Tennessee head coach Rick Stockstill, how he's prepping for BYU and their star linebacker Kyle Van Noy and why he, like many other opposing coaches, was not excited when Van Noy wanted to come back for his senior year. This is BYU Sports Nation. And now, back to more Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio with Jeremy Jordan and Spencer Linton. Friday, game day, BYU Radio and BYU TV have the Cougars and Blue Raiders covered. BYU Radio's pregame starts at 7 p.m. Eastern. BYU TV's countdown to kickoff starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. Then the game's on ESPNU and BYU Radio at 9. There's postgame coverage on both BYU TV and BYU Radio. Friday, game day, love it. Coming up in 10 minutes, Jamal Williams' mother, Nicole, joins BYU Sports Nation. Stay tuned for that. The man in charge of the Blue Raiders, Middle Tennessee head football coach Rick Stockstill, joins BYU Sports Nation. Coach, great to have you with us. When you first solidified BYU on your football schedule, how familiar were you with the BYU program? Uh, other than, you know, watching them on TV, uh, you know, and, and the places I've been in coaching, you know, at Clemson and South Carolina, and, you know, we've never played BYU. I've always uh, admired them from afar, probably, you know, mainly because of their passing attack and what they had, you know, in the 80s and, you know, the 90s there, just uh, all the great quarterbacks that have gone through there with, you know, me being a, you know, former quarterback and an offensive coach. Uh, I've just always admired and respected what BYU's done, uh, you know, especially from an offensive standpoint. Strong start to the season thus far, Coach. 3-1, and one, uh, two close wins the last two weeks against Memphis, and then you're coming off the overtime victory against Florida Atlantic. Uh, what are some of the strengths of your team thus far? Well, you know, I think the biggest thing you can take is we're a pretty resilient bunch. Um, I like our, our competitive spirit. I think we've got, um, you know, a really good mindset right now. You know, we're 
we've got some experience at other at some positions, and we're you know pretty young at others. So, but uh, I like our attitude. I like uh, our mentality. How hard we work. How hard we play. How hard we compete. And uh, we've done a good job of uh, you know finishing games, especially these last two weeks. <clears throat> Talking with Middle Tennessee head football coach Rick Stockstill on BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here with him. Coach, you got a big win against Georgia Tech last year. It put your program on the national map to a degree. And then you made the transition from the Sun Belt to the Confer- to Conference USA. What have those things done for Blue Raider football? Well, you know, prior to beating Georgia Tech, you know, we beat Maryland, you know, two years in a row. Uh, you know, those were big wins for our program. And, you know, then last year, you know, going down to Atlanta and beating Georgia Tech and uh, now going into Conference USA. Last year we finished up 8-4, and four and we did not get in a bowl game, which, uh, you know, we played for the conference championship on the last Saturday. Uh, we lost it, obviously. And to be 8-4 and four and not get in a bowl game was one of the biggest travesties that I've been involved in or been around in college football. So um, in the Sun Belt, you only had two guaranteed bowl slots. Now in Conference USA, you've got six guarantees. So that's what excites me the most. I think Conference USA has a better perception nationally than what the Sun Belt does. So I think it's going to enable us to, you know, maybe raise our uh, recruiting a little bit, get involved with a, maybe a little bit higher profile player uh, than what we've been able to in the past. Um, you know, we're on TV a bunch now uh, because of the Conference USA. So I think it's going to enhance our whole, entire program uh, and, and just give us a little bit more respect nationally uh, than what we had here in the past being in, in, being in the Sun Belt Conference. Middle Tennessee football uh, head coach Rick Stockstill is here on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, when it comes to BYU and its defense, which was one of the uh, best last year, Kyle Van Noy returns as a senior. Your thoughts on Van Noy and BYU uh, that your offense, led by a fifth-year senior, Logan Kilgore, will have to face this Friday? Well, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Watching your bowl game last year, uh, and we'd already known this game was uh, – schedule we were going to play and and watching Kyle and what he did in that game I I, I was praying that you know he would come out early uh, he's a <laughs> phenomenal player uh, just a really really good football player and to me he plays the game the way it's supposed to be played uh, plays with relentless effort uh, whether it's a run down a pass down first down or third down uh, he, he's got a high motor. He's a he's a really good player, but I'm most impressed with him by just how hard he plays the game, and and really the entire BYU team plays hard, and, and you can see it on film, and you know that's a credit to Bronco and, and those guys that uh, just, I, I I just have a lot of respect uh, for their defense, for their offense, you know, to rush for. 550 yards against Texas. I mean, nobody's ever done that in the history of college football. And uh, to, for BYU to do it is uh, they're, they're sound, they're well coached. Uh, we've got our hands full, obviously. Um, you know, so we just we've got to prepare this week. 
you know, in, in our preparation, especially coming off a, you know, a physical, you know, emotional game that we came off of and now being a short week. So, um, you know, we, we've, we've just got to play. We've got to play our best game to have a chance to be successful this week. Coach, while Kyle Van Noy has generated a large amount of national interest, and rightly so, he, he is a dynamic player, no doubt, an All-American, preseason All-American. Who are some of the players on your roster that may be flying under uh, the national radar that uh, are exciting players that, that BYU fans uh, should know about? Well, you know, on defense, our safety, number 20, uh, he he made, he was a freshman All-American last year. Uh, He's an excellent football player. He's very instinctive. Um, you know, we're not real big, you know, on defense. Uh, you know, we kind of got to get them and project them a little bit. So we're not real big, but we run good. Uh, our linebacker, T.T. Barber, number 38, is a really good football player. Uh, he leads our team in tackles. Uh, he's a good player. Offensively, uh you know, our, our running back last year, or he's a sophomore now, he started playing about midseason because our starter got hurt, uh, and he rushed for 850 yards last year, and, you know, he's had, a, you know, a couple hundred-yard games so far, you know, this year. Jordan Parker, he's a bigger back. He's physical. He's not, you know, a speed merchant or anything, but he, he's a good physical player. Our quarterback is – uh, been hampered a little bit. Uh, he hurt his shoulder, his AC joint there in the third quarter of the first game, and uh, was really slowed with it in, in game in the North Carolina game and the Memphis game. Uh, but it looks like he's back now, healthy. He played really well last week against FAU. Logan Kilgore is from California, uh, you know, so he's he's had a a good career here and. Uh, you know, is off to a, a pretty good season so far. And then, uh, you know, we've got some, a couple receivers that are, are good, solid receivers, nothing that are going to, you know, wow you guys with speed or anything. But, um, you know, we got we got some good players. Talking with Rick Stockstill, head coach of the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders, uh, coming to play BYU uh, this week. Coach, I, I've got you down for the, the first trip Middle Tennessee has taken West of Texas since 2004, uh, playing at altitude. How do you prepare your team for a game like that? Well, you know, you can prepare yourself for it uh, in a short period of time like this. So uh, we're not going to make a big deal out of it. We didn't do, you know, what Texas, I guess, supposedly did with the masks and all that stuff all summer and, you know, that really worked out well for them. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I think the biggest thing that we've done or, or are doing in the research that I did this summer is just it's important that you hydrate. Uh, we're coming off a very physical hot game in South Florida last weekend. So, you know, we have to hydrate our bodies to replenish what we lost there and, and then even drink more now to um, – to be able to deal with the altitude of going to, to BYU. So I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. I think the more you talk about things like that, the more it becomes a – it gets in their head that, you know, things are really different. And uh, But we'll get out there and we'll play it. And uh, 
hopefully that you know we'll be able to handle the altitude. I've never, you know, I've never played, uh, you know, in Utah as a player or as a coach. I've never, you know, Colorado anything like that. I've never played there, so I can't speak on it from a personal standpoint. But we're just going to go about it as a as another game and try to hydrate ourselves the best we can. Coach, can I make a recommendation to you as you uh, head over to Provo? If there's one thing that I think you need to do and your players, you need to try some of the BYU Creamer ice cream. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to get some of that Thursday <laughs> night then when we get there. and uh, Hopefully it's pretty good. I'm going to tell her, I, I just wrote it down, and I'm going to tell our uh, director of operations to uh, make sure he gets that for us on Friday night. Lavelle's Vanilla, I believe, is the uh, flavor. <laughs> Lavelle Edwards Vanilla. <laughs> you know you reached the big time when they name a stadium after <laughs> you and, and an ice cream. <laughs> hey, Coach, thanks so much for the time. Uh, BYU will make a return trip to Murfreesboro. Did I say that correctly? Yes, sir. Yeah, Murfreesboro uh, next season. So a uh, home-and-home series with BYU. Best of luck to you in, in your season, and uh, we'll see you later on uh, on Friday. Good deal. Appreciate it. And if anything else comes up, uh you know, feel free to holler at me. Thanks, Coach. Okay, great guy. Great Middle Middle Tennessee head coach Rick Stockstill, great guy. Uh, Jerem, just a really down-to-earth guy, but he understands the game very well. Coming up, we have quite the treat for you. Yeah, coming up, Jamal Williams' mother, Nicole, joins us to discuss Jay Swag Daddy. Yeah! This is BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Johnny Harleen, and this is BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Uh, excited to talk to Jamal Williams' mother, Nicole, who in a moment, which was a track, she was a track star uh, at UCLA, and uh, you can see some of that in Jamal. Uh, talk, we'll talk to her in just a moment. We want to tease what's coming up later on in the week. Jeff Benedict, the co-author of The System, The Glory and Scandal of Big Time College Football. Joins us in studio tomorrow. We'll talk to Vaisik Ahema, former BYU and NFL player. Uh, we'll talk to Logan Kilgore, the Middle Tennessee quarterback, as well. And we now join uh, or welcome in uh, Nicole Williams to BYU Sports Nation. Nicole, first, uh, welcome and tell us uh, your initial thought when you saw Jamal not bounce up because he's kind of like Walter Payton. He just gets back up after getting hit hard, but he stayed down for a while. Your initial thoughts? Uh, when I looked and I'm waiting and waiting for him to get up, and I see he's not getting up, so I kind of ease my way down um, towards the the sideline, and I still see he's not getting up, and the trainers go over there, and so I kind of hop over the the gate, and I'm on the field now, and, um, and I go over, and I'm looking, and, um, you know, I'm saying, okay, something's not right, because normally he does get up, and he's not moving, and so I get closer and closer, and I look, and um, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, what's going on? He's told me before, you know, Mom, football, you got to take the good with the bad. So I've kind of learned that in football it is a possibility of injuries. And um, he said, and I never want to see you cry when something happens because you don't cry when I get a touchdown. So you can't cry when I if I get hurt. So... Um, I just started praying and just, you know, just just ask God to just make sure that uh, he's going to be okay, and, and I had to go from there. 
Nicole, how is Jamal doing right now? What's what's his status? Actually, he's doing quite well. Um, I don't know. People really don't know Jamal. He he loves football. I mean, he lives for football. So if he's not doing football, he just feels like uh, there's no life. And I mean, he's progressing remarkably. He um, uh, he's going to class. He's um, doing everything as I'm sure that he was doing last week. So I'm just here with him this week just to make sure everything is fine and he's fine and he's not rushing back and um, just being a mother. So <laughs> Nicole Williams, Jamal Williams' mother, joining us here on BYU Sports Nation. Final question, Nicole. Uh, what was your reaction in the hospital when you found out uh, it could have been very serious and it looked like it, but it was a concussion and a stinger? Um, you know, I, I just told him, I just um, told him it could have been uh, worse. And, you know, I told him God has a plan for him. And, you know, he's bounced back two weeks in a row. And he looked at me and he was like, Mom, I told you I fall down, but I'm always going to get back up. So he said, I said, okay, Jamal, and let's get ready to do this for next week. So he said, okay. Nicole, just a, an amazing reaction, both from the BYU and Utah sides, when they heard that Jamal was going to be okay. And that's a, a testament to the kind of player he is and uh, the sportsmanship involved in the rivalry. And we're so grateful that uh, that he's here and that he's okay. Yes, I am too. And I just want to say thank you to all the Cougar fans out there. I mean, they were just remarkable. Everyone was saying their prayers and sending us well wishes. And I believe that all of that combined together is why um, Jamal is ready to go and go out there and uh, continue doing what he's doing and go Cougars. Thanks, Nicole, for the time. So, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you down the road, hopefully uh, at a game very soon. Okay, thank you. Nicole Williams, the uh, mother of Jamal, joining BYU Sports Nation. And uh, good to hear that Jamal is doing well and is in good spirits. Absolutely. Some very quick notes uh, before we wrap up today's BYU Sports Nation. The women's volleyball team will host a pair of West Coast Conference games this week, both on BYU TV. St. Mary's, good team coming in Thursday. And on Saturday, BYU Pacific, that game will start at 10 p.m. Eastern, 8 Mountain. And women's soccer, the 18th-ranked uh, Cougars, back in action Thursday night against 14th-ranked Denver, 9 p.m. Eastern time on BYU Radio. And, uh, yeah, just let's get to one, a few more of those uh, tweets on Twitter at our BYU Sports Nation account. Jerem. At Blue Hell Mustard uh, in relation to the Go Fast, Go Hard offense. If you doubt the offense, watch the BYU-Texas game. It has a lot of potential, but it will take time to see consistency. At the B-Max, go fast, go harmless. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> uh, tell us how you really feel, people. Yeah, and that, it, it's fun to gauge uh, BYU uh, fans' opinion right now. If we had asked this question after the Texas game, it's certainly different. So interested to see what BYU fans actually think right now. Quick rise and shout to Nicole Williams, mother of Jamal Williams, for joining us and giving us the good news on his, his update and his improving condition after that stinger and uh, concussion. Big thanks to our guests, Blaine Fowler, Rick Stockstill, Nicole Williams, and everyone on our BYU Sports Nation crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, BYU Radio Station Manager Don Chaline, production assistants Alan Miller and Spencer King, and our engineer Aaron Evans. Archived episodes of this show on BYU Radio YouTube channel every afternoon for Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton, and you have just listened to BYU Sports Nation.